Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, automizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Price Picks. They also have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. in the business he joins us of college ball uncensored saturday down south and no longer of twitter chris marler chris what's going on my friend how are you i the first thing i heard when i came on here is things have been calmer on social media for us and i'm like that's that's nice good for you the the irony chris that 
you know, you obviously, again, appreciate you taking right. the time, and it's a pleasure to talk yeah. with you, speak with you. It was great seeing you at SEC Media Days. But the irony of I reach out to you, you agree to come on the show, and it's it's funny. I'm just, like, scrolling, and you had dropped a joke. Not a harmless joke, by the way, but just a joke. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Let me just click on Marler's profile, whatever, see what's going yeah. on. And then the account suspended thing came up. And so you were unaware, obviously. I, it was – Something to do with like Alabama and Tennessee, maybe, but it was it was harmless. I mean, just flat out harmless. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. I doubt that's what got you suspended. But uh, I there's why no does Elon Musk because, hate you? Should we start there? I don't know. I mean, I listen. I <laughs> I don't like. I got this is the second time in three months this uh, has happened, and yeah. it was deserved last time. This is, like last time I made a bad <laughs> April Fool's joke about a Kirby Smart sex tape that was I thought funny that few other people did. That's fine. That's like tough. that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, there's no, they, they never gave me a reason or anything. And I'll tell you what, I, it's, it's funny because it's me and it's like, you know, I have like this like battle back and forth with Twitter or whatnot. But at the same time, like, I mean, part of that's my livelihood, man. Like, that's like, that's what we do for, for content and stuff like that for college football uncensored, the podcast and for me personally. So it's just, it's just frustrating. Cause I don't, I don't know. I, I just had to restart a whole new account. And I don't want to do that again going into the season, but whatever. At this point, I just, just. Do, this, do you think they're like? I wonder. Championships. This is the world we live I in just, now. I, I don't know, man. I'm like, I just wonder if. Uh, which, to your point, by the way, you, you think about. It, I mean, there, there are, you know, there's a number of Gamecock fans who, uh, who despise me. But I, I think about this when you're pissing off the entire SEC, practically. Like it's a different family. I think about like SEC. Not you. I'm just saying. Like I'm thinking yeah. in general. I'm, I'm actually thinking for myself because at some point I'll probably be at that point where. You basically like when you're, you know, this as well as anybody, man. Like when you're talking SEC football, it's not about if, it's a matter of when. Like you're yeah. going to piss off every SEC fan base at some point based off something it's you said. It's worse so than just, politics. Right. Imagine all 14 of those fan bases coming at you. Like I could see why, like your social media is getting flagged. It's like <laughs> you got, you got all these people, whatever. Which, but again, I don't think you did anything. I don't know what Elon, Elon Musk decided he had a to do list. It was like rebrand Twitter to X.com. Get rid of Vern Funquist. <laughs> that was like the second thing. I just the don't get thing it. Yeah, the whole thing is, is stupid. Hopefully, it'll get sorted out and it'll be fine. Um, because it, what's crazy too is, I, all jokes aside, when I had to restart the account, like I, I that last account, I mean, I was a pretty big. I mean, like I'm kind of an asshole in general. It's whatever. Like I'm just very sarcastic and 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 like my responses to people. Um, and I and I try to pride myself on being like objectively truthful. And that hurts a lot of people's feelings. But if you don't say just nice stuff about their team constantly, it seems like it's always like I'm, I wasn't making a joke when I say that college football media is worse than politics because it's not every four years. It's every year. I mean, I, I you know, like I, I got like harassed to the point where my mom had to get off Twitter last year by Tennessee fans just because I was right in predicting something that happened to them against Georgia. It's fine. Hopefully it'll work itself out. It's good to be here. It was great to see you in Nashville. I hope all of your, your I, like I'm, I'm living in Columbia now. And I apologize for the shirt. Um, it's laundry day, but uh, I the excitement for the season, man, is has been like kind of palpable over here in the city. Hmm. Yeah, then you get college game day in the Queen City, of course. But Marlar, I want to do a little bit of a run around the SEC yeah. with you. Of course, we got Chris Marlar in College Ball and Censor. Just really quickly, obviously, we're talking the Monday after SEC Media mm -hmm. Days. We'll start with Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin goes on his rants about NIL transfer portal, which a lot of that had to do with the media that was asking him questions. Yeah. I don't know how many different ways he can talk about the same subject over and right. over again. 
I, I think the thing, the biggest takeaway, like looking at him, not really buttoned up, the hair's kind of all over the place, and of course, like almost the the yo mama thing when somebody said, I look a lot like you. Hey, what's your mom's name? But uh, your takeaways weird. from Lane Kiffin talking about his old Miss football team, again, unfortunately, the thing I hated more than anything, there wasn't a lot of football talk when it came to what right. Kiffin had to say. I, I enjoyed it because I, I think that people are having a hard time understanding that like to separating of like, all right, these coaches are going to talk about NIL. And, and here's the thing. This is, this happened a lot with Saban. I'm I like the whole thing all off season Saban's complaining about, about NIL. Is he complaining about it? Or is he telling you all of the problems that are very real in NIL? And by the way, I realized this last night we talked about on the newest episode of the podcast He's the only one dealing with it. None of us are. So it's like we're sitting here like, I can't believe he's complaining about this ball. He's the only one. deal. These guys are the only ones dealing with it on a daily basis. Mm. We're like out here doing our jobs at, at fucking H&R Block. Excuse my language or whatever, right? Like we're not dealing with NIL on a daily basis. You go into media stuff and you're asked a question and then you have to answer the question. So it's not like he's they're like, hey, Nick, how, how or hey, Lane, how, how's your banana pudding? Uh, let me just tell you something about how much I hate kids getting paid. Like, that's not happening. So the Lane Kiffin thing, I think he's a better vessel for the message than, than somebody like Nick Saban because he's not as old. People like him. If you would have told me that 10, 15 years ago that he would be the guy to be the voice of this, like that you would want to choose, I would think you're crazy because people hated Lane Kiffin, but he's now become this very funny, transparently, like, joking, like, character on social media. And, and a lot of times people, like, really, really resonate with that especially from these like head coaches, all of the stuff he said is very real. He made a point that we've been, we've been talking about a lot in the off season. And that is the fact that like the NIL stuff and the transfer portal were both very new, very difficult things to implement that the NCAA just dropped at, the, at once and then just washed their hands of the situation and then, and then did nothing. So it's like you have two very new things that are not being regulated at all. And, and you don't know how to regulate it. And they're in their infancy stages, right? Like, so it's like, how do we do this? Like, what are the best practices? Like, it's going to be a minute before any of that's figured out. And you have both of those happening at the same exact time. That's a tough thing for coaches. And I, I make this sort of as a joke, but it's also very real. You saw it with the, the shit with the Titanic stuff. People don't feel bad for rich people. Like, you don't, people don't feel bad for, like, for coaches. They're making seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars. So they don't feel bad for like any of the stuff they're having to go through. But these are real issues that need to be figured out. And just because they need to be regulated doesn't mean kids don't need to get paid or you need to put a cap over it, but there's got to be some solution. And I think right now, when you talk about the the voice of the league, I think Kiffin's probably like the best person to do this because he's, he's a likable guy and he's younger and, and probably appeals to that audience. But here's the thing, man. If you are being very objective and honest about it, it's something that impacts the entire country for college football. And it, it, it changes and is different from a state-by-state team by team, conference by conference way to where the rules are made up however you want to. The NCAA tried to come in and tell A&M, like, hey, we're, you're not allowed to do this anymore. And they're like, yeah, we are. We're going to listen to like this Texas legislation. That, that's, that's where we're going to go. Like, it's the NCAA, the NCAA is obsolete at this point. So we're going to go back and forth, Marla, between East and West. I think it'll be fun. Vanderbilt in the East. I loved what Clark Lee had to say. I was able to ask him a question, which was really, really cool. But uh, – I, I just love his his charisma, his excitement about Vanderbilt. Like, you know, you're out of Vandy. Everybody expects you to get up to the podium. Well, if we win two or three games, we'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Now, he gets up there and says we want to be the, be the best program in college football. Like, five and seven is not good enough. It's not the standard. Yeah. And I feel like, Chris, you can really – 
you know, he's coming into year three. Vandy, of course, was picked to finish seventh in the East. We all right. expected that. But the fact that people – that you kind of have to think about it for a moment before you put them at seven, I think is a testament to the job that he's already doing. Your thoughts on Clark Lee and just Vanderbilt as a whole. There are many problems beyond Clark Lee that Vandy has to figure yeah. out to, to make any sort of noise. They're trying to invest in their football facilities, obviously. But just overall impressions of, of Clark Lee at Media Day. First off, shout out Austin Gregory over here in the comments because he's fantastic, and I'm, I appreciate all the love. And I, and I really – the comments back-to-back -back about uh, Marler, someone told me you're going 7-5 and five this year, and then College Football Uncensored and Chris Marler getting censored. That's very good stuff, and it's always good to talk to Austin. Um, I, I, I genuinely appreciate that. No, the Vandy stuff yeah. is – now, the whole thing about them getting votes was horseshit. That was, mm -hmm. that was like by a select few people Terrible. in the media that were, that were just doing this as a joke. And I know who did it. I and I I respect those guys. I like those guys as actual people, like and, and people in the business. It, it, it just I I'm not saying that media stuff needs to be taken like the big J journalist stuff needs to be taken seriously. Like, I mean, like I've made an entire career off of not doing that. But that being said, going there and just making a mockery of the whole situation, I thought was pretty stupid. I just thought that whole situation was pretty stupid. Um, now going to Vandy, like it's kind of crazy to think about. They went five and seven last year. Like I like it doesn't because that's I mean you're talking about one game away from from getting to a bowl. You beat mm -hmm. Florida. Everyone remembers the most just mundane, milk toast storming of the field ever. Just single file line fire state or fire drill from elementary school storming of the field. That part was incredible. Um, there's a lot of uphill battles for Vandy, but here's the thing too about about Vanderbilt. There's a time when Georgia Tech was really good in the late '90s, and I compare those schools because the academics are very very tough, right? But if you are trying to appeal to a kid, I know that everyone's trying to get paid and go to the league and all that kind of stuff. The bottom line is not everyone's going to be able to do that. Selling a kid on going to Nashville for three to five years, getting a degree from Vanderbilt, that's a good sell. I'm not sure how marketable that is to, to everyone across the board. But, like, I've always been surprised they haven't been able to recruit better just because I know how bad they can be. But I, I don't – like. With Clark Lee there, I, I'm not convinced just because they went five and seven last year, they're gonna go seven and five this year or go to a bowl or anything like that. I do think he's got to head in the right direction. They 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 played better and they got a couple of dudes, man. I mean, Will Shepard's a good receiver. I, I know they lost, you know, the running back and everything like that over to Kentucky. Um, but I mean, I, I just I think that he is a good the mindset is there, right? Like no one's gonna tell Clark Lee he can't do it. And, and I, I think that is something that when you are going, it, it doesn't feel like coach speak when he just, when he says stuff, it feels like he genuinely believes it. Now he may be crazy for actually believing it because Vanderbilt's never going to be the best team in the country at anything besides hot dog sales outside the stadium. I can attest to that. But I mean, other than that, I think, you know, they're, they're very, it, it's a very up, very big uphill battle, but I like, I think he might be the, the right guy for the fit. Hot dog sales and best road trip in the SEC. I think Vandy will always win those, but in regards to winning yeah. games, I think you're right, Marlon. Which, by the way, Nashville was an incredible host city. Uh, I wish fun. I could have came out and enjoyed karaoke, but of course, with Beamer speaking Thursday, I was like, I don't know that this really fits well with yeah. the schedule. I need to be on point. So maybe maybe next year in Dallas. Either way, uh, going back to the West, the Auburn Tigers, Marler, uh, one of your favorite mm -hmm. teams. Uh, no, um, you know, we, we played a game of stock up, stock down on Friday on the show. And I, and I talked about stock down for me coming out of media days was Auburn. Yeah. Not because, really? I, you know, we all know the roster. Well, we all know the roster issues and it's year one of freeze. But, you know, I've, I've seen like our guy Jake Crane talk about Auburn being an eight win team and they're getting their hopes yeah. up up there for sure. 
But when I heard Hugh Freeze preaching patience and basically pleading with the fan base, and I know it's coach speak, but still, when you're standing up there at the podium and you're saying, hey, we, we need the Auburn fan base to be patient, Right. I, I don't know, man. To me, it's like you were openly saying that, like, the roster, you know, he said he's never come into a season with more questions than they have right now. Yeah. I'm not saying Auburn can't get to that seven and five and, God forbid, maybe eight win mark. But, you know, I, I don't know. For me, I think probably going to a bowl game in year one of Hugh Freeze, I think he's trying to set the expectations very realistically because obviously the last thing you want to do is, is go seven and five and fans be disgruntled, right? So I think he's trying to keep right. it in check. Your biggest rivals are Georgia, Alabama. Let's not get out ahead of ourselves. But your overall thoughts yeah. on Auburn and the fact that Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC. So a really good point that you're making, because that's that that was not my takeaway. Um, I've been really high on Auburn all offseason. I, I think that like Hugh Freeze pointed on something, and 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 now that you mention it, it it's like kind of like, you know, I can I can think of some of the stuff that he was saying, and it's a really good point, like I said, um, that you're making because he he brought up something about how he used to be one of the best play callers in the country. He considered himself one of the best play callers in the country. And that's something we really haven't thought about in about eight years. But if you think about this, 2015, that 2015 Ole Miss team led the, led the SEC in everything. Points, yards. Hugh Freeze is the only person to put up multiple wins against Alabama with a 40-point. Like, they beat Georgia in year one of the Kirby Smart era, like, like 45 to 14. Like, beat them like a drum. I mean, just like a drum. Mm-hmm. Um, put up 40 points over Bama, I think, twice. Uh, which is tough to do, obviously, or, or, or close to 40 at least. Um, I, I'm impressed with what he's been able to do since he started because he has gotten in the portal and he has turned around the recruiting immediately, especially where it's important, like in like the most important parts, and that is that is on the offensive line and defensive line. He got more guys in the offensive line in his, in his tenure there, which is like, what, eight months in, than Harson did his entire time he was in Auburn. Like, th- that's that's incredible. I, maybe we, sh- maybe I should be more worried about what he was saying. You know, you always say the devil's in the details. Maybe some of the stuff that he was saying, like, you know, stuff reading in between the lines that, oh, you know, maybe they aren't ready to take that jump. I will say this. Hugh Freeze has been a mastermind when it comes to quick turnarounds. And you look at what he did at, at Arkansas State and you look at what he did at Ole Miss. Arkansas State had one winning season in the previous 23 years he, like, before Hugh Freeze got there. They, and they had zero in the 15 before it. The only one they had, by the way, was a six and five year in, in 1995. Okay. Hugh Freeze comes in and wins 10, 10 games immediately. Ole Miss, people forget, Ole Miss had back to back losing seasons and lost, had a losing record in six of their eight previous years before Hugh Freeze got there. If first year he gets there, they go seven and six, they go to a bowl game. They were one in 15 in the two years combined in, in the SEC before he got there. They win three SEC games. They win the Egg Bowl. They get to a bowl game, win that. Very impressive and quick turnaround. I don't know if he's going to be able to do, you know, or win eight, nine games at Auburn, but I look at that schedule and I don't see how he loses six. I, I think seven and five is, is kind of the floor. Now, that being said, eight and four is probably the ceiling. But when I look at the schedule, there's a very real chance that he is going to have that team. Auburn's so big on, on just like momentum. It is, it's like a, like the best way I know how to put it is like nobody gets caught up in the wave of emotion and, and let it affect them more besides like softball umpires in the women's college world series who just like, like, like the, the crowd makes the calls at that point. <laughs> Auburn will ride the wave of momentum and energy from that fan base, mm-hmm. like no other team in the country. And there's a very real chance they can win five games in a row going into Bama. Mm-hmm. 
injured and hair at the end of the season, which is a nightmare for the team on my my shirt right here. <laughs> to your point, Marler, again, Hugh Freeze is one of, I think he's the only coach right now that's active that has multiple wins over Nick Saban, or he's one of like three coaches or something. Yeah. Either way, you have multiple wins over Nick Saban. You're one of the best. You're one of the best. Back to the East, Marler, the Missouri Tigers, I think, are really intriguing. You know, picked to finish sixth in the SEC East by the media, which surprised me. They're, they're sixth for me, yeah. and I have it because of the tiebreaker. I have Florida fifth. I have the tiebreaker. So I got Mizzou with a better overall record, but Florida finishing fifth because I feel like the SEC is dumb, yeah. and that's how things don't work out. Either way. Mizzou is definitely a team that's interesting. When you have that much returning experience on the defensive side, over 80%, I think it is, and that's yep. that defense is ranked top 20 in the country, very top of the SEC. Quarterback's yeah. the big question. Brady Cook, we think and we believe, is going to be QB1. Uh, your thoughts on Mizzou, and tell me why I'm wrong, that I believe Eli Drinkwitz is just the Jeff Fisher of college football. He's guaranteed to go 500 every year. I, I mean, that's pretty good. Um <laughs> That's pretty good. You can, hey, you I, can take that. So, you can, you can take that one if you want. You can I'm take. I'm good. That. I'm good. If I, unless I have to rebrand my whole self again, maybe I will. Have to, I'll, I can use all the help I could get. Um, no, I think, I think that that Drinkwitz is like slept on a bunch. Like they, they have not had a good quarterback situation there. People forget that they've won like six of the last eight against Arkansas. Like they've owned Arkansas. I, I oh, they've won. I guess Carolina won four in a row against the Gamecocks. They have right now. Yes, they've run a four-game winning And Eli Drinkwitz himself has won four in a row, dating back to 2019 when he took Appalachian State into Williams-Brice and beat Will Muschamp. I just – I think that – God, you hate Will Muschamp. I forgot about that. Um, (laughs) So, no, so, like, I I think – I see this on a side note, Marler. I don't know who hates who more, Gamecock fans to Will Muschamp or Arkansas fans to Chad Morris after I went to SEC Media Days and talked to a couple of those guys. That yeah. was I was like okay this is this is very comparable yes bro I asked Ty Ty Richardson to rank in order of uh, of of success mm-hmm. uh, Brian Harson Chad Morris and Joe Biden and I'm pretty sure he had Morris at the bottom and I was like my lord anyway so so here's the whole thing um, with Mizzou you hit the nail on the head they they return eight of uh, eight or nine starters however you want to look at it right. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is a very, very good defensive unit that people really don't like. Missouri gets shit on more than any other team in the conference, and it it drives me crazy because, listen, they've got more division championships than Tennessee has. I'm not going to get into their stuff with you guys, but like they've done really well against Arkansas. They've won four in a row against y'all apparently, which I again didn't know. But like it's a good program. They always play Florida tough. It seems like I, I mean just every single year. I, I feel like. That Mizzou, no matter what, just because the geographic like location of that state, people are going to crap on them no matter what. Um, and also, Drinkwitz has a very punchable face, as much as I like him. I really do like him, but he, I mean, he does. He looks like the guy from Wolf of Wall Street and Sacred. But that being said, I think that, like, I think they're going to be better than people think this year. I think that this is a team that's like an eight to nine win, like, like ceiling. They're a lot like Auburn in that way. I think that that might be the ceiling, but the ceiling is close to the floor. Like, I don't think that the seven, seven wins is something that's like, should be scoffed at. I really don't even think seven wins is something we should consider as like a huge success story. If you're drinking, it's like, I think you have to get to eight this year because they have put a lot of money into that program. People joke around about Como and how bad the stadium is. They've put a ton of money into, into the, uh, the facilities there. Um, and upgrading those, they, you know, they got Luther Bolden. I think you get, you're really going to have a breakout year from that kid, uh, where they didn't really use him as much as they should have last year. 
if he can get adequate quarterback play and, and, and better like offensive line play, I think that they are going to be really, really good. They're not going to beat, you know, they're not going to beat Georgia by any means, but they could challenge the people in the East. They're better than now, Florida. Moving, I think that's fair. I think that's, we'll, we'll get there in a second, Marlo. Trust me. Moving yeah. to Mississippi State on the West side, you know, I, I thought Zach Arnett did a really, really good job at the podium at SEC Media Days. You know, they got a fantastic pair of linebackers on the defensive side, and he's a defensive guy. They didn't lose a lot, yeah. but you'd expect them to be strong there. And, you know, I, I think State, Marler, of course, I, I made Gamecock fans very happy when I picked State to pull the upset at Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, I think Will Rogers is one of the most slept-on quarterbacks yeah. in the SEC. But it's a really tough situation. I mean, Arnett taking over the Pirate, the late, great Mike Leach, rest in peace. Your thoughts on what he had to say at me today is and just the situation at Mississippi State. Do, do you think – my biggest question is just – is he the long-term answer? Like, I, I think he was the right guy yeah. to fill in immediately, but long-term, going away from Air Raid, Kevin Barbe is going to take over and, you know, do the whole pro-style thing. And so it'll be a yeah. – like, so you ask yourself, like, we know Will Rogers is good, but, like, is the offensive line geared to do that? Are the receivers – are the are the pieces in place geared to right. make this radical shift? Your, your thought on Mississippi State this season, who was picked seventh in the SEC West by the media? Yes, that's where I had him. Um, and it's not even not even a dig at Mississippi State. It's not. You return, like you said, two really good linebackers, top two tacklers, returning leaders uh, at that stat in the entire conference. I think that part's great. Um, I, I just I, – I think that, like, when you look at Mississippi State, there's a lot of similarities. I always say this is South Carolina. I always say Mississippi State is the South Carolina of the West and vice versa because South Carolina they, – they, both two programs that have a lot of pride and a lot of like great fans that are very loyal year in, year out. But if we're also being honest, it's two programs that have, I don't want to say underachieved, but they've just kind of been a little bit middle of the road for a lot of years. They're, they've spiked, but like to your point, the, to your more success, not you off, Marla, but to your point, like the numbers indicate what you are saying is correct. I'll right. let you go ahead. But oh, yeah. numbers, me, everything I say is well thought out. Indeed. I, mean, like, I even compare – you can even look at, like, the run they had under Mullen and the run under Spurrier. Like, they're very comparable. Right. I mean, they didn't Hurts. get 11 wins. I, I think South Carolina is more, has been more successful than they have, especially in right. recent memory, including the DAC year. I know they got to number one in the country, but still. Um, anyway, but I say that because it's, it's just like – when you look up in the division for both those teams, it's tough, man. I mean, like, South Carolina – has had to look up at Florida and Tennessee and Georgia ever since they've been in the SEC. And that's not easy. You know, like it was, it was way more difficult in like the nineties and two thousands, but that's not easy in the West. You're talking about, you know, you've got Bama, LSU. Now you got A&M, Auburn. Um, and Mississippi State's done a really good job. I, I love where they're at in terms of being slept on because I think that Will Rogers is I, like continues to be the most slept on quarterback in, in the country. I, I didn't have like Jaden Daniels being the first team SEC quarterback was bullshit. I like I understand he had a great year. The fact that you have essentially two, three or four year starters with Will Rogers and the numbers he's put up, I don't care what kind of offense it is, and then and then the the same numbers with um with KJ Jefferson. I, I saw something that I think Connor O'Gara posted our, my my old co-host and, and and friend um over at SCS. He posted something about how I think Will Rogers has like one interception in the last two seasons or something in, in the red zone. Like he's been incredible. It's, that's not a system quarterback. Mm. Um, now that being said, I don't know what that offense is going to look like. That is a big growing pain. That's one of the reasons you don't go to that kind of that, like hiring somebody like Mike Leach and we all love him, 
it's it's like the air raid is kind of like the triple option through with passing right like it's and you have a hard time getting out of that that like system that like the the transition is more difficult not as much as it would be if you're running the triple option obviously because of like the size of the linemen i think it's going to be a, a, a year of growing pains especially because i think that the west is really really deep this year but six wins is still on the table like i mean that could be a conference where or a division where they finish last and they are six and six and they get to a bowl game and, it, and they still have a winning record i, I like i don't think that's out of the question at all yeah, Marlo, I've, I've got every team in the SEC West in my preseason predictions bowl eligible. So that just yeah. goes to show the depth of the conference. Who was your first team quarterback, by the way? Mine was KJ Jefferson. Just FYI. Mine was KJ Jefferson. Yeah. Okay, fair. Fair enough. Um, back to the East we go. Florida Gators, you mentioned. Billy Napier, this is a pivotal year, too. You know, I, I think the chatter, you know, talking at SEC media days, he's not getting fired this year. There are 31 yeah. million reasons why he's not getting fired. They're recruiting at a high level. I think the question is, though, is he going to be there long enough to yeah. really enjoy the fruits of his labor? Because this year the schedule's brutal, as we all know. Next year it's it's oh absurd. 11 Power 5 teams. He brings in Graham Mertz as his quarterback, who he feels confident in for, I guess you could say, yeah, whatever, reason. whatever but reason. Your thoughts on Florida. They got a 29-year-old defensive coordinator. I mean, what does it all mean at the end of the day for the Florida yeah. Gators? Well, one, I just realized that you brought me on to talk about the worst teams in the conference, and I, and I don't appreciate we're, it. No, no, but. we're getting to the top. We're making our okay, – I'm enough. going I'm going off of the order of finish from the bottom to the top. We're getting okay. there. Trust fair. me. We're getting so, there. So, I think that with, with Florida, the thing with Billy Napier is I, I, I think he could be the right guy. I like Billy Napier. I, I think he's a good recruiter. I think what he did, it, what he did going to Florida is one of the most important – blueprints for any coach making the jump from group of five to power five that we've ever seen. It's probably the most important. And, and what that is, is a lot of times you'd see this in the past where somebody would say, Hey, like we're going to hire you as a, a, you're making the jump from he, he was at university of Louisiana, right? Louisiana Lafayette, whatever you want to call it. And now you're coming to Florida in the sec. So in the past you would see bigger schools like that kind of take advantage of, of coaches in terms of what, what they would be allowed to pay them, what they were giving them because it was viewed as, Hey, this is such a huge opportunity for you. You're you're so lucky to have it. What he did when he got hired was say, "I'm not taking this job unless you guys do the things to give me the resources to make me successful." Because I'm looking up at Georgia as our chief rival, and and like it is a nightmare scenario that you're walking into with that team, where like the difference in like what Kirby did versus Mullen. And Mullen was a great coach, but he didn't recruit for shit. He just just refused to do it. Right. Like, you know, I think that when you look at Billy Napier, the facility upgrades, the recruiting has been really good. Hopefully he can get a quarterback and keep a quarterback. I think they got DJ Lagway right now coming in next year. Graham Mertz is not the answer. They've got a really good running back. ETN is going into, I think his sophomore year. Um, and, and Montreal Johnson. Guys, great one, two punch. Great one, yeah. two punch there. So maybe they have some guys that can flash. I don't, I just don't look at that schedule. There's a reason why Vegas has them at five and a half wins. And, and I'm not saying Vegas is always right, but them dropping them from six and a half to five and a half at the start of the offseason said a lot to me. I, I think that they could win six games and it would be one of the better coaching jobs in the SEC. That's how brutal the schedule is. And that's how much of a difficult task is at hand for Billy Napier. I, I like that's not trying to be rude about the program or the state of the program or not, not say like, I mean, next year, seven wins would be, I think a, like a miracle worker 
like for, for next year with how difficult the schedule is. Cause now you look up and I'm not saying the cupboard was bare, but you didn't really do anything to, to restock it. If you're Dan Mullen with, with a lot of talent and then Napier comes in and now you got to compete with Kirby every year. Florida state seems to be back. And, and for whatever reason, you can't convince me that Kirby didn't make the schedule. You just can't because they go to Utah this year. They've had like an ankle monitor on their, like, like them for like the first two weeks of the season for the last 30 something years. Like I, I, I just, it is, that's probably the most Florida thing about them. Like they're not allowed to leave the state in like in the month of September, apparently. And now they're going to Utah. That that's a season, man, where you've got to be 500 getting to October. Cause if not, that is going to be a tough, tough stretch for the next two months. Marler, speaking, by the way, to the point of your rude takes, I know you're saving those for when we get to Georgia and Kirby Smart, so no big deal. Um, <laughs> talking, uh, talking the Arkansas Razorbacks. They're kind yeah. of one of those I view, Marler, one of those middle-of-the-pack SEC teams that there are reasons you could convince me they could win nine games this year. There are also reasons yeah. you could tell me they're going to go six and six again. So right. you have arguably the best quarterback in the SEC in K.J. Jefferson. You have Rocket Sanders, which is a guy that as good as he is, I don't know he gets talked about enough. I think it was Cole Kublick I heard made a great point that, you know, and I and I noticed this too because I was in the room and I got to ask Rocket a question about Trey Knox, but, like, there was nobody around him. And you're like, this guy might be the best running back in the SEC. Like, nobody cares. So, right. you know, right. Arkansas is a team. Sam Pittman, he's beloved. Everybody wants to see him succeed because he is just such a likable guy. But you and I both know once the games start happening and wins and losses take place, that really kind of just goes out the window. So when you yeah. look at Arkansas, kind of where do you put them? I mean, again, they feel like one of those teams in the SEC West that you could slot them three through six and it would make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably fair. I think I forgot where I had them. I want to say I had them like sixth. Um, Arkansas, it's tough though because like all those West teams almost feel like the same, like to a degree. You yeah. know what I mean? Like and in a sense the same- of like – Somewhere between six to eight wins. We're kind of all floating yeah. in that range. Like, it's a and bunch just, of 50 Just, like, throw up a number games. and attach it to whatever shitty shade right. of red you want to and just say, that, all right, that's got seven, that's got eight, it got six. It was like, a lack of creativity when it came to SEC teams choosing colors. I don't know what the deal yeah, is. The that. maroon is <laughs> – I just – it is the worst. Like, anyway, anyway. But, no, with Arkansas, I love Pittman. I, I think he's done just a great job. And, and he did a really good job – so quickly compared like you know when you talk about like how much of a uh, like the cover being bare there and what chad morris left my god um mm. i worry about that team because they were last in the country in, in past defense and you lose catalan to texas yeah. you don't return a lot you lose drew sanders i you know like from a leadership standpoint i think bumper pool finally i don't know if he graduated if he pulled a stetson bennett type thing or if he was just gone but he was there for about 18 years. So I think he's finally used up his eligibility. Um, you don't have a lot of returning experience. Doesn't mean the defense can't be good. I think the offense is going to be so much fun to watch. I think this is about as big 12 of a team as you can get in the SEC because KJ Jefferson is, is so much fun to watch. He is going to end this season. I, I hate to say it. I think he's going to end the season the same way he has ended the last several seasons, which is really good quarterback, put up really good numbers, Hey, nobody noticed because they're going to be seven and five, six and six, like whatever. Um, I, I just, that is a very, very difficult, like, again, division that you're having to play in. You get LSU in September, which sucks. Um, Marla, real, real. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Quick, to, to the point of Arkansas, I just wanted to, you know, I think our guy SEC Mike made a really good point, too, in the sense of that we'll learn a lot about Pittman and Arkansas this year. Yeah, because this is the first time he's had to hire coordinators, and so it's right. like, you know, we're we're dealing with that in Columbia, which we'll get into in a second. It's like you just learn a lot about a coach, I think. When yeah, okay, you hired Dan Enos, let's see how it works. You hired your new DC, let's see how it works. So right, I mean, that's another big story. Not to cut you off, but just just on the top of mind, it's that's something to talk about with Arkansas for sure. Yeah, well, and what's crazy too is that like they were one of the only, I think they were one of like four or eight teams in the country, in the country that had returned their offensive and defensive coordinator for three consecutive years going into last season. That's crazy. Right. And now you have to, now you have to make this change. I'm not a Dan Enos fan at all. And and that's for very personal reasons, but like, I mean, that man left in the middle of the night, like, like literally they show up for meetings the the Monday or Tuesday after the national championship. And that the one where Bama got just destroyed by Clemson and Enos packed his office in the middle of the night and bolted for Miami. Now, he's a great quarterbacks coach, fantastic quarterbacks coach, and he's got a lot to work with K.J. Jefferson. I don't know what kind of play caller he is because I haven't seen that out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're losing Barry Odom. Here's what I, what I wonder is Sam Pittman had a very valuable resource in Barry Pittman. or Sorry, in Barry Odom because Barry Odom was a head coach in this league, and he was the, the co-head coach, which is a stupid title, but at the same time, like, if you're looking to bounce ideas off a guy and you're in like the infancy stages of your coaching head coaching career, what better way to do that than somebody that has been in the league has been, you know, played like, like in, in the sec for four years or coached the sec for four years to be your right-hand man and your defensive coordinator. Now the, the defense wasn't good. Um, so that's, it seems like they'd be able to make some improvements there because the bar was set really low, but that that's a really good point about the coordinators. We love to talk about that, about KJ and Jefferson, and and uh, and Rocket Sanders, but like losing Trey Knox is a big deal for one that we're not talking about. You saw the receivers last year since they lost, you know, Traylon Burks like two years ago. That wasn't a a, a, a 
an area of strength by any means. So I wonder what that looks like as well. Moving back to the East, Marler, Kentucky, I think a team that uh, maybe we're sleeping on a little bit. I, I don't know. Picked fourth, picked to finish fourth in the SEC East. Listening to Mark Stoops at the podium, and, and I just, I kind of realized, I was like, man, they're going to be pretty good on offense. Devin Leary at the quarterback position comes from NC State. You got Ray Davis coming over from Bandy, Demi Sumo from NC State uh, as well. They add um, – couple of transfer offensive linemen out of the portal. They got yeah. one of the best wide receiver units they've had since Mark Stoops has been there. You know, defensively, they should be stingy yet again. You feel like Kentucky's prime for a bounce-back season coming into 2023? Has to. Has to be. I, they have one of the easiest schedules in the conference. I think it's probably up there with Georgia's. It's very similar. I think they they, they have some of the same um, out-of-conference opponents like that, like, you know, Louisville may be better than some people think. I, I don't know. But that's a team – that returns, like you pointed out at media days, their top five pass catchers uh, returning. Love what they have bringing back at running back. I'll tell you what Ray Davis is not going to do. I'll tell you what he's not going to do is fumble every GD time they get to the one-yard line like Chris Rodriguez did <laughs> over and over and over again. The problem with Kentucky last year is they had horrible offensive line play. I, I kept saying this all year going into the season. You had to replace this whole big blue wall thing that they've talked about. Kentucky, I love Kentucky. I love Mark Stoops. It's a great story. It's hard to root against Kentucky. I know it might be different for you guys because of, you know, the, the rivalry there y'all have had. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I love Mark Stoops. That big blue wall thing was, like, for one year, okay? You, you lost three offensive linemen to the NFL, which I'm sure has probably never happened in program history. Then you have to replace them. Levis and his turnovers last year were awful. And, and like, and if it wasn't him, it was Chris Rodriguez. But, like, they were the worst rushing offense i think in the in the conference for most of the year if not the entire season and it was bad to watch like no push up front i think they're going to have a, a, a lot better of an offensive line this year the big thing too is leary and cohen are going to be very tough on defensive coordinators people don't people have not talked about devin leary nearly enough that kid had 35 touchdowns and seven picks in his freshman year at NC State. Now you can sit here and say whatever that's because ACC defense is like blah, blah, blah. 35 and seven against air is still good as a freshman quarterback in, in college football. And, and him coming in in a situation where he has depth, he's more accurate. Will Levis was a second round draft pick and they still have an upgrade at that position. But Liam Cohen coming back from an offense that was so good two years ago when they won 10, 10 games. I think I think that the Kentucky is a nine win to ten win team this year. Like I and I don't think that's like a hot take. I don't think they beat Georgia, but I don't think anybody beats Georgia until Atlanta. But like I just I don't I don't think that when you look at what they have returning, what that schedule looks like, I, there's not a lot of difficult games on that schedule. And I think they are going to be they're going to return to running the football and the turnovers, man. As you guys know more than anybody, like how big of an impact that is on a team. And I, I think that you've lost your two weakest links when it comes to that specifically in Chris Rodriguez and Will Levis. Nine to 10 wins. We shall see. Back to the West, a team looking to get to nine to 10 wins. Texas A&M, pivotal year for Jimbo Fisher oh, after an abysmal season last year, five and seven. You bring in Poppy Petrino, and I felt like he kind of made one of the headlines early in the week when he was asked about play calling and – Gave kind of a vague answer, I feel like. It's like, has is Jimbo going to be willing to step out of the way, let Bobby call plays? 
they've got talent all over the field. Are, are we silly for believing in A&M yet again, thinking they can get to that nine-win, ten-win mark and be the team that we feel like they're supposed to be? I mean, probably. We probably are. <laughs> um, but we're going to do it because that's what we do. Uh, I, I, I think that – I tell you what. A&M really underachieved last year. Lost a ton of kids to the portal. But there's a lot of talent on that offense, man. There's a lot of talent on that offense. And I, I like people don't like Bobby Petrino for a number of valid reasons. But they, there's few guys that are better offensive minds even now than Petrino. And I know this is a decade ago, but like you think about some of those Arkansas teams, they are the most slept on teams maybe in, in, in the country, definitely in the SEC, but maybe the country in the last decade. That 2011, 2012, those teams were like top five teams, but nobody talked about them because they lost two, they lost to LSU and Bama each year, which were two of the best teams. I mean, you know, obviously Bama won the Natty, and LSU was probably the best team that that never won one um, in 2011. He put up ridiculous numbers uh, when he had Ryan Mallett and he had some guys at receiver. They've got dudes there, man. They've got dudes at offense. You got Anaya Smith coming back. You got that the sophomore now receiver Stewart like a nightmare to watch against against a lot of teams last year, especially in the second half of the season, when he really seemed to understand like what his role was and how good he could be. Um, and Connor Wigman, like he was, he was so much better than what they had on offense the moment he was plugged in there to play. And I think that that kid in year two, um, you're going to see a, you're going to see a progression. Listen, people forget that AM was awful. They were five and seven. They were they they ranked outside of the top 100, I think, in almost every major statistical category on offense, mm-hmm. right? They were horrible against the run, too. People forget they beat LSU by 15 points when LSU still had everything on the line for them to get to like the, a potential playoff if they beat Georgia. They beat them by 15 points. I, I just think that sleeping on them is not a, the, the best move for a lot of teams in the SEC this year. Mm-hmm. And as bad as they were, Marlo, to your point, lost a lot of one-score games. How you doing on time, by the way, Marlo? I know I've been uh, – I kind of surprised you with this run around the SEC. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I want to talk about Tennessee next. Uh, The Volunteers – I don't have to get on too, so that's fine. (laughs) Looking to build off of an 11-win season last season. Of course, the big storyline, you have to replace Jalen Hyatt at receiver, Cedric Tillman at receiver, and Hendon Hooker at the quarterback position. Joe Milton takes over. He was at SEC Media Days. They've been picked to finish second in the East. Most people feel, or a lot at least do, that Tennessee's the fourth best team in the SEC. They got to make major strides on the defensive side. But I think, again, yeah. most Vol fans and the expectations in Knoxville getting back to nine, maybe 10 wins is what they're expecting. Your thoughts? Do you believe that Joe Milton's the guy? And what are you expecting out of Josh Heifel in Tennessee this year? So I'm, I'm very torn on Milton because I know what numbers he put up. He looked great in the Orange Bowl, looked great, like way better than I thought he would. Um, here's the thing about Tennessee and you can say I'm being biased or whatever. I think that Tennessee had a really good season last year and Heupel has, has proven time and time again, I think he's had a top 10 offense in the last, like last five years, no matter where he's been, he was great as an offensive coordinator, even at Mizzou. Um, I think set a then SEC record for touchdown passes of the season with Drew Locke. Um, you know, had a top 10 offense at UCF, had a top 10 offense with Tennessee, led the league in scoring and yards per game last year. They could still do that, potentially. But what they lost in Hendon Hooker is not really being talked about enough because Hendon Hooker statistically 
is the best quarterback that has ever come through that school. And I fully understand that Peyton Manning is the GOAT. I get it. And, and had them on higher stages or, 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 or bigger stages, whatever you want to say, his entire time there. I'll tell you one thing Hinton Hooker did that he didn't do is beat Florida for one. And then, but also when you look at the numbers he put up, he didn't turn the ball over. This is an offense that's predicated on so many things that like kind of have to go right. Right. Like, like, and a lot of it is deep balls and the timing on those deep balls. It's not easy. There's a reason why those numbers go down the, the further the, the, the ball travels in the air, man. Like there's a reason why that happens because it is, it is not easy to throw something, a throw a football, you know, 40, 50 yards downfield and also drop it into a, like a window that is very, very small. Hinton Hooker was able to do that better than almost anybody in the SEC last year outside of maybe Stetson Bennett. Bryce Young was up there, but he was better than Bryce. I, like, I just don't, I haven't been sold on Joe Milton being, he could throw it through the, I'm going to say it. He could throw it through the fucking wall, right? Like he could throw it through a car wash. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like we haven't seen him consistently be able to drop it in a bucket from 60 yards. That's awesome that he throw, he can throw a football 90, 90 yards. And I, I'll, I'll give you a hot take here. I bet he gets drafted in the first round last year or next year. I bet he gets drafted in the first round next year because Anthony Richardson did. So why wouldn't Joe Milton, who's probably a little bit more accurate and will probably put up better numbers in that offense. But you're going to have to – like you just – Tennessee has been real bad and underachieved for a very long time. There's a difference between having a 10 win season or 11 win season and then stacking those. And I'm just not sold that they're there yet. They can be, but that defense was bad last year. The offense lost a ton of production, like a ton of production. And I don't know if this is a system where you just plug in squirrel white and replace the Blitnikoff winner. I, you know, I don't know if that's how, if that's how that happens. So I don't know, man. I, I think that there's a lot for me that's that I think that's like left to prove before I believe that Tennessee is taking the next step to challenge the SEC. Now that being said, they are I think probably the second best team in the in the East going into the year. Um, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if they if they end up there. But there's still you know there's still meat on the bone for me of like what they need to do to, to convince me of other stuff. The LSU Tigers, Chris Marlowe, the SEC West champions from a season ago. I thought it was interesting when Brian Kelly basically came out and said, you know, we're probably a year away in regards, to, you know, in, in terms of recruiting to getting the depth we need to win a national title right. and, you know, really be at the top of college football. But the bottom line is this. They found a way to get it done last year. Kelly comes over from Notre Dame. He beats Nick Saban, takes him to the SEC title. They got blown out by Georgia. I, I get it. But your no, thoughts they on points, LSU? Man. <laughs> True, they did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your 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 thoughts on LSU? Because I look at them. I mean, I think they're loaded across the board. Um, I was surprised, admittedly, Chris, that they were not the pick in the SEC West. But I think it's yeah. one of those things where it's like people realize it feels like when you sleep on Nick Saban the most, they turn up a season in which they win the SEC. You and think win the that people title. realize that yet? Well, they picked them to win the SEC West. So I, I think we all knew that Georgia would be the pick for the SEC title, but Bama uh-huh. gets picked to win the West. Just thoughts on LSU. I mean, year two of Brian Kelly. Uh, can they do it again and, and, and repeat as uh, SEC West champions? Okay, I want everyone to follow me when I say this. Because where I'm going to take you is not a place you want to go. Okay? 
but just hear me out and just let me get through it and just try to like, just close your eyes and try to, to understand where I'm coming from with this. Year one under Brian Kelly was incredible. You win the SEC West, you beat Bama. Here's a fun fact. You know, that's only the sixth time they beat Bama in Death Valley since 1957. What a huge win. You go to the SEC, you win the SEC West, you go to the SEC Championship game, you put up 30 points, over 500 yards on that defense. Incredible. You outscore Purdue by like a million um, in the Cheez-It Bowl. Incredible job his first year. Incredible job. Jaden Daniels surpassed all expectations in year one. Was awesome. Was awesome to watch. In Like the, the best way to describe Jaden Daniels is like the best dual threat game manager I've ever seen. And that is not a knock on him. But my goodness, did he take care of the football better than he ever did in his first two seasons when, before he got to Baton Rouge. Now, hear me out. LSU returns 10 of 11 on offense, right? They return the best player on defense in the conference and Harold Perkins, right? They, they return Mason Smith, who was gone from us last year, but a huge recruit. A lot of people think he could be a, a, a future first-round draft pick. All of that's awesome. It's great. They're going to put up some points. They're going to score on a lot of people. Now let's take a step back and look at what happened objectively on the field last year. They beat Alabama and they beat and, and they won that game and, and hats off to them. They deserve to win that game. I, I'm surprised Bama was even in it. I'll go a step further and tell you they probably should have beat Bama the year before too. Now that being said, you beat Bama by one point in overtime on the last play of the game. The next week, you got to play Arkansas for a chance to clinch the division and looked up and said, what? Arkansas has a backup quarterback in. We should steamroll them. We went from 14th to 5th after we beat Bama. And now all of our dreams and hopes about potentially even making the playoff are on the line. And what did they do against the backup quarterback? They won 13 to 10. And the game came down to a questionable call in the fourth quarter. Then you still have everything in front of you. You're still ranked fifth and you can still potentially get to the playoff if you win out, which I know is a huge uphill battle and you got Georgia looming in Atlanta, but you still got it there and you go finish up the season in college station against arguably the worst team in the conference. And what'd you do? You lost by 15 and you, you scored the 15, you, you brought it to within 15 in the fourth. It was even worse earlier in that quarter, but you beat Bama three weeks prior, which is a massive win, and everyone saw it. <laughs> now we go into the offseason. You score a bunch of points in garbage time against Georgia, and then you, you put up a lot of yards, and you go into this season with a good recruiting class, a head coach that's capable of doing stuff, and he's already shown you he beat Bama at home. Who does that remind you of? A team from the year before. All the things I just told you, building an entire offseason resume off of, you beat Bama, Sure, you stumbled afterwards, but hey, you beat Bama, and then you got a good recruiting class, and now you're going to next season with high expectations. Who does that sound like from the year 2021? Does it sound exactly like Texas A&M? Ding, 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 it does. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to go 5-7. and seven. I don't believe they're going to go 5-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. But if you can't see the similarities of, of, like, we're building up an entire, like, resume off this one win, they are. And I'm not saying it's even a, like, it's still a great win. It's still a great win. Still an incredible job in year one, but let's pump the brakes. I'm thinking that this is like, like I thought it was bad that we just thought Tennessee was back, but this is the most like Texas is back situation imaginable going into this next year. Like 
I, I think they're going to be really good. They got to go to Tuscaloosa. They got to go to Oxford. Um, I don't know what else is on that schedule. I know they got Arkansas at home early. Uh, Florida State to start the year. That that would be a huge win to get them rolling. I think that would be good. Um, but I just like I have a hard time believing. Like I think ten and two is is very very reachable. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're just assuming <clears throat> that they are the new kings of the SEC West. I, I, call me biased. I understand the shirt I'm wearing right now. But man, <laughs> you beat Bama twice in the last decade plus. You did it by a combined six points. And one of those times was when you had the greatest team of all time with 2019 LSU. Just like with Tennessee, I'm going to have to see it before I believe it. And I just am well, not there with LSU. Yeah, Marlo, let's stick with the SEC West and the Alabama Crimson Top. Because I think, to your point, to your point, one of the reasons that LSU is being voted by some as SEC West champions, including yours truly, it's the questions in Tuscaloosa. And it comes back to the quarterback. quarterback. Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner. Jalen Milrow, who's going to be the guy, um, you know, and I think that's where it starts. And, and I thought it was interesting. We talked to a couple of people, or at least Brad Crawford did and I, and three different people, three different answers on who the quarterback's going to be. So nobody really yeah. knows. Nobody really – that's the big – I'll tell you this. If Bama gets – if and when, I should say, Bama gets the quarterback thing figured out, we're probably having a much, much different conversation. Tommy Reese at OC yeah. – I mean, heck, SEC Mike's got him p- finishing third in the SEC West. So I feel SEC like I'm Mike high. also had Steve Sarkeesian as the ninth best offensive coordinator in the conference three years ago. So right. let's just. I'm not I'll saying his word. Like, I'm not saying his word is gold. I'm just throwing out kind of some differing right. perspectives. But yeah, either I mean, way, Alabama him and Big Game Boomer are very similar when it comes to that. <laughs> oh, uh, anyways, Bama one of the best rosters in college football. But when you have the questions you have at quarterback and you lose Bryce Young and Will Anderson from a season ago. Yeah. You know, th- there's there's going to be some question marks, but to your point, again, one of the best rosters. I thought Nick Saban at Media Days was actually very, you know, I, I didn't realize he was such a jokester. That was something I learned about Nick Saban. I'd never been in the room with him, yeah. but thought he was very calm, confident in his football team. They've obviously got a chip on their shoulder, but they were picked to win the SEC West by the media. Your thoughts on that and just Alabama as a whole going into this season? Again, I, I know quarterback is the big talking point, it feels like, for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I think that, like – they've struggled over the past two years at times, especially on the road. I think that like when you look at why the doubt is there, I don't even think it's like unfair as to why the doubt is there. You're talking about the Timmy Huckabee comment at the bottom. I'm trying to figure if it was a paid because I don't think that, I don't know who it could be, but thank you for bringing that to my attention, Timmy. Um, so anyway, like I, I think that this stuff with Bama, I don't think it's unwarranted, but from a standpoint of when I look at like voting for this, right. You're not talking about winning the national championship. You're talking about the regular season and getting to Atlanta and just being objective here. They've had only three times in the, like in the last 14 years, have they lost two games in the regular season? So to sit here and think they're going to go nine and three, I think it's crazy. I, I, I like no offense. I think it's crazy. But I will tell you this too. There's a very real scenario if you're a Bama fan that you don't want to hear. There's a very real scenario. I, I think they lose to Texas in week two. I've said that all offseason. I said last and year. I'll say, and I'll say this more though. They beat Texas, and I think my opinion completely completely shifts on Alabama. I think it completely well, I, I hope for our sake that that changes because I know that means a lot to the Bama fan base and, and the team, especially. <laughs> I'll t- I'll pass I'll tell Kristen to tell to tell Nick. Thank you. Thank um, you. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. But no, so I think the whole thing with Bama is I get the quarterback situation. I don't think they have the quarterback situation um, 
figured out yet, uh, which is whatever, right? Like, I think that, like, they lose that. They don't have that situation figured out before Texas. I think you lose to Texas because I think Texas is going to be really good this year. Uh, I know everyone's tired of hearing it, but I, I just think that this is the year that they are really good and take the next step. Then you look at the rest of that. You get Tennessee at home. You get LSU at home. That A&M game is going to be tough because you got to go to College Station. That's a place they lost to last time they were there. Um, and it's it's a, a place that is difficult to play in, right? But, again, let's just break down some numbers. You can talk about all the things about how Bama almost lost this game and they almost lost this game. They blah, like they almost lost this game. They didn't. They've lost five regular season games in the last five or six years combined by a total of 15 points. Mm-hmm. I'll say that again. They've lost five total regular season games in the last five or six years by a combined 15 points. Like going into this year, what I, what I, that defense is going to be really, really good. And it was, I know they, they had to replace both coordinators. I, for one, am, am not super pumped that they had to replace the coordinators because I didn't think they did that bad of a job. There were definitely times when I thought Bill O'Brien was going to give me an aneurysm, just like Pete Golding was. I don't know how you don't make an adjustment in 60 minutes of football against against Tennessee by by not putting a safety on Jalen Hyatt. Just put anybody – put put the, the, the team manager on him I, or, or the water boy, anybody, just anybody. Um, but that being said, I think that that they are going to be – really good on defense and here's the thing that people don't remember about last year's team they were only i think they were plus two in the turnover margin they've averaged i think um like plus they've been in double digits like uh, for for turnover margin in six of the seven previous years before that like plus two is wildly low uh they only had seven interceptions as a defense which i was shocked going into the season i thought they'd have a ton because of the fact that you have all that pressure up front with Anderson and, and, and Braswell and some of those other guys, Dallas Turner, you only have seven. It's the lowest in the saving era in the last 14 years. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that those two things stay the same. And I think that you're going to have an increase in turning the ball over. You're going to have a better defense in terms of being able to be more suffocating. They were fourth in the country last year in yards per attempt allowed as a, as a secondary. People forget the fact that like they think the secondary sucked because of the Tennessee game. They only gave up 12 touchdowns in, in through the air all last season, which is the lowest in the SEC. I, I, they're going to be really, really good. Milrow or, or Buckner, I don't know what the hell happened. I just – I just – anybody with that last name, I don't want associated with my sports teams at all. <laughs> I don't care if it's Bill or Tyler, just get out of here. Um, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, I don't know who the answer is there. But I will tell you that I think that Tommy Reese is going to be like widely considered one of the better coordinators in the country at the end of the season. And people forget the fact that he was very close to getting the job at, at, as head coach at Notre Dame over Marcus Freeman. And they went with Freeman and said, for whatever reason, that's, that's fine. He stayed on, which I think says a lot about his character for one. But the thing that Tommy Reese does in his offense, in two of the three years he was the OC at Notre Dame, they averaged running the football 60% of the time. And if you sat there and listened to what Saban said – he, he made the comment flat out. He's like, we threw the ball too much. We th- I mean, like, they, they averaged 51% pass-to-run play calling under Bill O'Brien the two years he was there. And I understand you had Bryce Young and the Heisman Trophy winner and all that kind of stuff, but that is by far the, the lowest ratio. I think last year itself was like 50.4 or 50.6% pass. Like, it was almost exactly 50-50. And you want to be balanced on that kind of stuff, but you want to have also an emphasis on the run game. 
And when you look at last year's team that had, they were fourth in the country in yards per carry, right, at Alabama, mm-hmm. but they were 82nd in attempts per game, that can't happen. And, and one thing that Tommy Reese does is he runs the football. 60% of their, of their play calls in two to three years at Notre Dame were run plays. And I think they're going to sit there behind a massive offensive line with five stars they've accumulated over the past two years and run the football and bludgeon people to death. And I tell you what made me the most pumped about the whole thing, Dallas Turner flat out said it. They said, what is the expectation this year? And he said, it's joyless murder ball. And that, like, the, the combination of that kind of confidence from the player with how relaxed Nick Saban was tells me that Saban knows what he's got. And he is pretty confident in what he's got going into the season. Otherwise, I think you would have seen him be a little bit more panicked. And in the years that he's acted like that at media days especially, that doesn't mean like it's like a scientific – they're going to win 11 games. But I think when you see him in that kind of jovial spirit, which he never is, I think he's pretty comfortable with what he's got in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Now, Marlo, you've been as complimentary as anybody when it comes to Georgia's program, what Kirby Smart has built. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of surprised the media didn't try to, you know, ask more questions about the off-the-field stuff. But either way, Kirby wanted to talk football. He did just that. Better never rest is the mantra for Georgia going into 2023 it feels like they're a machine that can't be stopped. I mean, I know they have question marks with obviously a new quarterback. They replaced both tackles. Mike Bobo's at OC, but again, you've talked about it, man. That just the way they're recruiting, the way they're reloading. It's it's yeah. If you have to pick Georgia or the field to win the title, and I know nobody's won a three straight championships in over ninety years, but right. I mean, the fact we're talking about them in that light that they are the favorite, I think it just goes to show you how great what he's built is. Just talk about. Kirby's appearance, and then George as a whole. I mean, do, do you think, yeah. obviously, they're the, they're the overwhelming favorite to, to win it all yet again? And they should be. And nobody, nobody, including Nick Saban, is doing it better now um, than Kirby Smart. And I understand that Saban won more championships in his first seven years or whatever. But you look at what Kirby's done. Currently has a number one recruiting class. They went back-to-back. They won 33 of the last 34 games. Um, you know, what they did to TCU on live television was – problematic at best. I mean, my God. Um, When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But then you talk about the fact that going into this year, I mean, people forget last year was supposed to be like a stopgap. So it's like a, a transition year and to get to this year. And now this year is even better um, from what you thought was going to, you were going to have a, a year ago. He's put more kids in the league in his first seven years than any other coach in modern cultural history. Um, he's, he's doing every single thing better than every other coach in the country. And it's, it's incredible to watch. Now, 
I've lived in Georgia for most of my adult life where I moved to Columbia a couple months ago. That's a tough, that's a tough state to, to live in with. When you want to talk about rational fans, because I've, they've, you know, they've, they've been champions in their mind every year that I've been alive. And now they just actually <laughs> get to wear the, the, the badge. Um, but it's the best program in college football and it's not a close second right now. And, and I think going into this season, They've caught a lot of flack about their schedule. It's not their fault that Oklahoma had to be taken off their schedule. I'll tell you what, too, man. If you had Oklahoma on the schedule, it's a great blue blood matchup, maybe. But Oklahoma was like what six and seven last year. Does that really change the 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 narrative of like how great they are? If they go beat the brakes off of OU in Norman, or I don't even know if that was a home game or not. Um, one of the reasons their schedule is so easy is because of how good Georgia is, and you can't put Georgia on the schedule now. You don't have to play LSU. You don't have to play Alabama. You, of course, don't have to play A&M because I don't think that's ever been a thing they've had to do besides the one time <laughs> in Athens. Um, but I, I think that there's there's not a more confident pick I, I could make in the season than Georgia going 12-0 and because I just don't see anyone that's, that's close to challenging them. South Carolina is a home game. I, I don't know why because I love Beamer. But Kirby doesn't at all. And, and that was something you saw on, on display last year. And that like, I, I thought it was a joke. It's very real. Um, Kirk, there's not a better coach too, that, that like is, pe- there's not a pettier coach than Saban or than, than, than Kirby smart. Like he will beat you out of spite and beat you soundly. I, I think that he's done a, a, like a great job in what I've said, building the depth and all that kind of stuff. But he's put that program in a place that, where can attest to this. Ohio State is also another team like that. Where you look at that schedule now, you've got a two-game schedule basically. It's like you got to get by this game and the next game. And I tell you what, what impressed me more than anything that he did last year. It's not beating Ohio State. It's not going undefeated, the first team in the in the playoff era to win 15 games. I think. All right? No, Clemson did it in, in 18. Um, but and LSU did too. Never mind. So anyway, but like he he became. What they did to Tennessee, just dismantling them when they were like number one, had all the confidence in the world, had beaten like I don't know, like five ranked teams going into that game, dismantling that offense, mm-hmm. giving up a late garbage touchdown, and and really taking their foot off the gas. They could have beat Tennessee by forty, and that that impressed me more than anything. So I don't I, who on that schedule is going to beat them. They get Kentucky at home, they get y'all at home. Florida ain't going to do it. Mizzou's a home game. I don't see Kent State on there this year. That was that was fun for about two and a half quarters. So yeah, I, I just I mean, who's going to beat them? Until Atlanta. Yeah, you, and you had the you had the great clip, Marler, going in that one where you basically said Georgia is going to step on your throat and rip your heart out, and there's just simply nothing you can do about it. I mean, yeah. I think that's the best way to phrase, and that's exactly what Georgia did for four quarters. Finally, Chris. We get to the South Carolina Gamecocks, say the best for last. Shane Beamer, of course, takes the podium. One of the most likable guys in the SEC, yeah. if not the most likable head coach. Uh, I thought one of the things that really stood out, he talked about the amount of freshmen they're going to rely on, basically at every single position. They've got 38 new players on the roster from last year, which, of course, I guess that's a normal thing in the transfer portal era, but there's going to yeah. be a lot of those they're depending on. Of course, he brought his quarterback with him, Spencer Rattler. I thought Rattler did a good job of handling the media and some of the other things, but uh, – your thoughts on Beamer at Media Days and more so just South Carolina this season. I've got the Gamecocks at 7-5, and 4-4 four and four in the SEC, which I think mixed reviews from South Carolina fans, they're feeling on my yeah. predictions. I think there are real question marks on both lines of scrimmage. Of course, the running back position 
you got four scholarship running backs, and your RB1 going to the season opener is probably a converted wide receiver to running back to carry on Jordan, which all the love to DK in the world. But yeah. it's asking a lot of a guy like that to be the, the lead ball carrier. You also add guys like Nick Harbour, uh, the true freshman on the outside. And of course, anytime you have guys like Rattler and Wells and that type of dynamic connection, uh, you know, you feel like the offense can be explosive, but Dabble Loggins, a key OC hire there as well. So all that being said, thoughts on Shane Beamer, thoughts on South Carolina going in this 2023 season. I love Beamer, man. Beamer's so likable. He's, he's, he's like skinny Sam Pittman. Um, he's just he's hard <laughs> not to pull for him. He, he's like, it's just, it's so hard not to pull for that guy, man. Um, do you I think, think Beamer would enjoy a? Do you think Beamer would enjoy a Ham's beer? Also, that was so well, weird that he got upset right. about that. <laughs> he said, like, "You got a pretty good job. You can do a little better than that." Like, dang, shots! Fired. I mean, the year before, I I asked Sam, I told Sam Pittman that he was sixteen and six against the spread, and then I I personally thanked him for it, and he he was like, "Yeah, all right, woo pig." Um, no, I I think I think Beamer, he's got his work cut out for him, and I'll I'll say this because I know this is a South Carolina show, and I know that, um. Like I'm, I'm not a guy that's gonna sunshine pump and 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 just tell you like please, like, please, Marler, be brutally honest. That's why I love you on the show. And I'm not gonna be as rude as you. I don't know how you like. You, I mean, seven. Five you're is, always you're always more honest about your own team. I feel like I, I think yeah, that's what that's it comes fair. down. To. Well, not on yeah. Twitter, which I'm not on anymore apparently. But I mean, like, <laughs> like there's a lot of people. Like I always joke around there, like on on social media, because some some people they're gonna call you a clown or, or a tra- like they're not gonna argue with you about the points you made. But they're going to flat out and be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking right. about. Like, you know what? From now on, I'll just say that your team is going undefeated. Your rival's going to lose every game they play, and we're both going to live forever. How about that? Like, this is the dumbest shit ever. Um, with South Carolina, I say all that to say this. I have been so aggressively wrong about everything Beamer has done since he's been there. And it's gotten to a point where, because listen, my sister graduated from there. My family lives in Lexington. I currently live in Columbia. I love it here. It's hot as hell, but I do love it here. I love Williams Bryce Stadium. I love the fans, all that kind of stuff. There's, I want them, like, I, I want them to be good. I want them to beat the shit out of Georgia. Okay, like, like nobody's cheering harder for you than that game than me. Um, but then I look at the schedule, and every year I'm like, oh my god, you got to play Clemson, you got to play Georgia and Tennessee and Florida, and, and then you look at those games that you struggle with with Kentucky and and Mizzou and stuff like that. Like you pointed out earlier. Um, I, the, I want South Carolina to be good. So I'm going to doubt Beamer again because it's only brought good luck. And, and I just want you to know that a majority of, what, of me doing that is because I do think it's like probably like I love being proved wrong by Shane Beamer because there's just like if anybody sat here and said they were going to beat Tennessee so badly they were going to run out of fucking fireworks, I, you're lying through your teeth. I mean, that was awesome. Um, then they go on the road. I finally watched that Clemson game. I know earlier here, um, uh, cause I was in, I was in Tuscaloosa for that game. Austin Gregory pointed out, I, I rewatched that Clemson game for the first time, or I guess I watched it for the first time like a couple weeks ago. So great. Breaking that streak in, in death Valley. Awesome to watch. Um, that big, the game in North Carolina is huge. Got to get off, like, off to the right foot. Uh, Tennessee in the first month of the, of the season is tough. They're going to be looking to destroy South Carolina. Um, but if you can weather the storm and get to the second month of the season with a winning record and, and just don't slip up against teams, you really think you should probably beat like South Carolina or sorry, like Kentucky and Mizzou. I think you have a really good season. I, I think that Beamer has a really good chance to take 
control of the state, not from a recruiting standpoint necessarily, because I don't think there's not in a rude way. There's not enough talent in the state to you need to really put a fence around it, but where you're kind of selling people on the culture of what he's doing better than what they're doing at Clemson. I know they've, they've had a really good offseason in recruiting, but you got a really good chance to, to take control of, of being like the, the flagship program in this state because Dabo is Dabo. And if you're trying to figure out a place to play between Dabo and Beamer, it's, I don't know why you would ever choose Dabo. Um, all that being said, you brought up the fact that the offensive line, defensive line, I don't know if they got better there on either side of the ball. And that is why Spencer Rattler, as talented as he is, struggled so much last year because he was running for his life for most of the year. And they, they gave, they had, they led the league in turnovers for the second straight year. You can't do that. Um, you know, maybe the fumbles thing is like a, is an anomaly and it's, it's, you know, just bad luck, but the interceptions aren't. I, I love the addition of Trey Knox, love the addition of Trey Knox. Um, love, love. I cannot wait to see Nick Harbor. I can't wait to see that kid. That kid's a freak. Um, and they need to get him the ball as much as possible. So I think, I think the offense has a chance to be good. I just, in the trenches, I don't know if they're, they're capable of, of competing at an elite level yet. I think eight wins is not a crazy far-fetched thing. I think that beating UNC would be a huge deal because of Drake Bay. And I think they, I think they win that game for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't see them competing with Georgia. I don't, I don't know about that. that I, I don't see them beating Tennessee strictly because Tennessee is going to be out for blood in that game after what happened last year. So I, I would say eight and four, seven and five seems about right. But man, go prove me wrong again, man. And there's, there's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'll say this off air. I'll, I, I was going to say just <laughs> Shane Beamer, just cut me into being wrong. Uh, just as, as much as you can. It's like, it's like <laughs> nobody is pulling, like nobody's pulling against South Carolina besides Clemson fans. It's such a likable story. It's such a likable program, likable head coach. I, I just I, I hope I hope they win every game they play this year. I don't know if that's possible because of what, who's on that schedule, but it's mm-hmm. it is a it has been a tremendous job from Shane Beamer in his first two years. Mm-hmm. Do not they're doing special, play. yeah. No, yeah, they're, they're doing special things in Columbia for sure, man. Chris yeah. Marler of College Football Uncensored Saturday Unsouth. Chris, number one, thank you so much for being gracious yeah, with your time. That went a little bit longer than I expected, but the conversation was fantastic. And I always love talking yeah. SEC football with you. Of course, Gamecocks. Uh, let everybody know where they can find College Ball Uncensored since you are no longer on social media anymore. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and once you, once you get back on, once you get back on, because I know you're going to return, yeah. we'll make sure encourage folks to go follow you, build up the following yeah, again. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. So Vern Funquist was the handle, but you can still follow me on Instagram. Do that, all that kind of stuff. More importantly, uh, the podcast is College Football Uncensored Podcast. We come out with these shows every Monday uh, and Thursday coming into the season. We'll start. We're starting our season preview stuff. We'll have you on for that, obviously for South Carolina, like we do every year. Maybe we'll get Stephen Garcia back on. Shirtless Stephen was a great, <laughs> great time a couple of years back. Um, but yeah, so College Football Uncensored, like I said, the podcast subscribe it's on it's on i think we're having trouble with apple of course because i'm probably involved i don't know why um but it's on spotify obviously uh and like i said also just instagram burn fun quiz saturday south all that kind of stuff so 
Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, and it was long, probably just because I talked way too much. But it's you know, it's that time of season, man. I, I think people are starting to get is, excited man. for it. I can't wait. No, I love it, man. Chris, I appreciate it, man. Let's definitely do it again soon. And uh, yeah, reach out. Let's get that South Gonna preview locked down, my man. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right, brother. Be good. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.